1: great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. So many of us are planning summertime travel. And I've talked about hotel fees and issues with Airbnb. I'm going to give you some good news. I'm going to talk about what is referred to as transparency, something I believe is so important for people to have a good opinion of the free market, of capitalists, of business owners, is just be honest with people. Also today, special warning about how you pay for medical services. So uh, old college roommates coming to visit, and I was helping him book a hotel room near us, and I found a deal for him on Priceline that was fantastic. And it was one of those things where, you don't know the name of the hotel until you book, but I've learned over time how to be about 95% accurate on what hotel it is that's a secret deal and it saves you a lot of money. So this hotel that is, if you knew the hotel name, is $200 and something, I found it for $124 on Priceline. Again, not knowing for sure it was going to be it, but there were certain clues I explain those on how to use Priceline on Clark.com. But what you look for is you look for hotel level. In this case, I was searching four star above for my friend. And I was looking for reviews of eight or above. Priceline uses a system of up to nine plus. You never want to go below an eight and know that a hotel is going to be okay. It's kind of like great inflation in school. Then I look at how many reviews. So when you're looking at what they call an express hotel, where you don't know what hotel it's going to be, if you can cross-reference the neighborhood and those three other things, star level, eight or above, and how many reviews there are, you got a really great shot that you got the right hotel. And I knew the hotel was notorious, that chain, for having extremely high amenities fees, resort fee, that kind of thing. And so I'm looking and it's showing me the price and it's showing taxes and junk fees and the rate for three nights. And it's still an incredible deal. So I then go to the hotel chain, look directly at that hotel, and lo and behold, they've changed their policy and now you don't get hit with the curveball of a massive daily activity fee when you get to the hotel, it's included in the price. It's not the room rate, but then before you check out, it shows you that you're paying it there, and that's how it should be. It shouldn't be this bait and switch where you're shown a very, very decent price on a hotel, and then the gotcha is the resort fee. I remember my oldest brother, his wife were in Vegas a few months ago, and it was during a slow time in Vegas, and they got a $29 rate on a hotel on the Strip, a good hotel. Not the greatest, but a good hotel. The daily resort fee was 70 So their 29 ended up being 99 I mean, what a rip. Marriott, as I told you a while back, was in a lawsuit that they were the defendant, about this bait and switch with people and now Marriott is going to transparency having lost this suit and when you go to Marriott's own website for any of the zillion chains they own where they own 40 now anyway you'll see if there is one of these ripoff resort or amenities fees you'll see that it will be detailed in your price quote. And then, as we've talked about for years, Resort Fee Checker, if you want to see with hotels that continue to be stingy with the information and then rip you off when you get there, Resort Fee Checker is kind of like a bulletin board, almost, of the resort fees as best they've been reported to them, as best they've been able to keep up to date. But it gives you a good idea, Resort Fee Checker. It's resortfeechecker.com. Thank you, Krista. And so... This is an improvement to know. Now, I want to tell you about Airbnb because I've been harsh on Airbnb lately. Have I not, Krista?
2: Well, I think a lot of people have. There have been problems.
1: And people have complained about all the hidden fees, the cleaning fees, the chore lists that you have to do when you stay in one that before you check out, you basically are the housekeeper who has to completely clean the place, wash the sheets, wash the towels, make the beds, put the new towels up, blah, 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 blah. And people have been freaking out. Well, I got to give the CEO of Airbnb credit because he dug in there because he couldn't figure out why the impressions in the marketplace of Airbnb kept going down and down and down and down. And it was because people were, angry that they didn't know that they were going to get hit with all these fees and all these responsibilities after staying in one. And so they just had a media circus where I guess they flew in all these media people from around the country to a presentation. uh, I don't go on junkets like that. Don't worry. Presentation about uh, they've heard people, the changes they're making And the CEO has been completely frank recently talking about that they weren't listening to people, they weren't hearing, and now they are, and here are the new policies. And you'll find that Airbnb has, as they refer to it, fixed their core design problems. I love they call them design problems. And so there are dozens of things they're doing now for clear disclosure and changes in procedures for both hosts and for the guests Mm -hmm. staying in an Airbnb. They also are trying to go back to their roots where they're looking more for Airbnb hosts that are renting out a room in their place instead of the investors that are buying places just to put in the Airbnb system because there are so many new laws and ordinances being passed around the country that are making these Airbnbs illegal because they've been disrupting buildings, you know, condominium buildings. They're uh, having a lot of problems with transients because of the Airbnb units. And a lot of condominiums are now going to six-month minimum rentals to try to push out the Airbnbs. So going back to its roots of you hosting somebody in your home is one of the big emphasis areas they're going to. So I would say that I need to open my mind and accept that these changes may actually make Airbnb again an acceptable platform for consumers to book a place to stay where I had put them on the KBOsh list. You know, you, you're using Airbnb at your great risk, and we'll see. If, in fact, the changes really do change the culture of what it's like for you to stay in an Airbnb. And you'll be one of my samples, Krista, because you love staying in Airbnbs. Yeah,
2: but I want to stay in the individual place. I don't want to stay in a room... So yeah, that's not, somebody else is going to have to experiment with that one. Okay. Todd in Arizona says, I've only used travel zoo once. It worked out well. My question is when we check in or use the services purchased through travel zoo, I'm concerned about the level of service. Have you noticed any drop in the level of service or product provided when booking through them? Since we're getting a discount, I'm concerned that the product or service provided is reduced. And I also, I, I read this because it's not just travel zoo, but people ask about Priceline and Hotwire and things like that, you know, how you might get a different hotel room depending on who you book through.
1: So, gosh, this is an area that has some issues. There's some nuance and then there's some clear problems. In our Team Clark Consumer Action Center, our free service where you can get one-on-one advice, we have gotten a lot, a lot of complaints about third-party booking sites. The main area of problem that we're hearing about has been involving air travel, that when people book air travel through a third-party site and something changes, something goes wrong, an airline has a schedule change, whatever, they discontinue a route, somehow those dots aren't connecting. And if you find a good deal and you want to buy an airline ticket through any third-party site, what I recommend you do is you immediately go, After you have your confirmation number from the airline, you go to their website and pull up that reservation, add your contact information in there, and you monitor your reservation, particularly if you booked it more than six weeks in advance, you monitor your reservation manually yourself, going in and checking that reservation several times before the travel date because you may not ever find out that... That reservation has changed significantly because you may not hear through the third party site. The other advantage of doing what I'm saying is one of the complaints we've had repeatedly is where you paid money, you have a reservation booked, you go to the airline site and they don't know who you are. And that confirmation number you were given for the airline doesn't work. That's a danger sign all the way around. With hotels, there are a lot of real sketch hotel booking sites. Priceline's not one, Hotwire's not one, Hotels.com isn't one. There are a lot of UFO hotel booking sites that are either out-and-out con artists, crooks or shady. you got to be very aware. Check what the Better Business Bureau has on a third-party travel site for any form of travel, tours, hotels, air flights, see what kind of rep they have with the Better Business Bureau or with Trust Pilot. Better Business Bureau, I prefer for this. And if you see just complaint after complaint after complaint, you've seen everything you need to know. And I'm sorry about how long-winded that explanation is. This is an area you've got to be careful with. As for Travel Zoo, Travel Zoo is almost like a catch-all Uh, promotional site and often what you book is not a travel zoo operated thing it's just travel zoo is almost like a uh, bulletin board for travel deals so much of the time.
2: Suzanne in Kansas says my daughter attends college two and a half hours away from our home she'll be a junior in the fall and apply for space in an apartment with two other roommates the online application is the only way to apply There is a mandatory section requiring her social security number. Is this legal? Why do they want this information? I would be more comfortable guaranteeing her lease with my credit card than with her social security number. I can't find those fake social security numbers you suggested on your website. Where are they? And could she be denied her apartment in the fall if it comes up as a fake number?
1: Okay, so first address the last thing.
2: Oh yeah. So we don't we don't have those numbers on our website. We have a link to a site that has those numbers. So it's it's a story we have and it links off because we don't want the liability <laughs> of oh, having why? those on our site. Yes okay. for sure.
1: All right. So Suzanne, it is a legitimate business purpose for an apartment complex to want your daughter's social security number because they are basically extending credit when they're renting a place to you. And based on what they find with your daughter's credit, they may require a higher security deposit than they would otherwise. They may even say they won't rent to her. Or you have to guarantee it. Oh, yeah. And so often, thank you, in college, the parent has to guarantee and then they'll want your social security number. So this is standard business practice and is actually a legitimate purpose, and reason for requesting the social security number, you're right to always have that automatic visceral reaction, wait, 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 why do these people want my social security number? And they got to show you why they actually should have it. If they can't, they don't get it. In this case, it is a legitimate request for it.
2: Yeah, I just went through this, um, renting an apartment, my daughter and her friends in Boston, where I not only had to be the, I had to guarantee it. I basically had to also promise a kidney if anything goes wrong. Like it was an insane process. And it's
1: only like $8,000 a month for her part.
2: It's insane. Yeah. Boston. John in Washington says, I'm a daily listener from halfway around the world. I'm age 59, retired and receiving a pension. My wife is 54 and teaching at an international school in China. Last year, we sold almost everything we owned in the USA and began this adventure. She will finish her contract here in China in the summer of 24. At that time, our plan is to move to Portugal while she will continue to teach. There are many international schools there. We're going to want to buy a house there. We have cash from the sale of our house in the USA that we owned outright. It's currently invested at Schwab, just like you recommended. I'm now looking for advice on how to move our money from a USA account to Portugal for a real estate purchase. I've been told I should start converting U.S. dollars to euros now monthly in case the exchange rate takes a bad turn. Also, what vehicle do I use to convert the money? Should I open a Wise or Revolut account? I like my money, and I don't want to give it away to foreign currency exchange fees.
1: So we got a lot of things to unpack here. How cool that you're getting the opportunity to live in communist China. You're going to go to Portugal, and Portugal has been so Exceedingly popular with Americans, so much so that the golden passport is pretty much done there. That's where you can get permanent residence in Portugal in return for buying a property in certain parts of the country. There's been a big backlash there because Americans and some other foreigners have had the impact of raising the cost of housing because it's become such a sought-after country to live in. Now, the dollar is considered to be, by many economists, to be overvalued. It is very possible that over the next year, the dollar will decline in value versus other currencies. But my experience historically has been that predicting currency directions is a tough one. It is really hard, and even though very learned people who are involved with monetary finance may find that all their models show that the dollar is going to decline in value versus the euro and other foreign currencies. It may not play that way. So you could do this as a dollar cost averaging thing, moving money from dollars into euros gradually in equal amounts each month till you move from communist China to Portugal. And if that is something you want to do, You already have the right ideas. Wise and Revolut are the two most efficient ways uh, to move money affordably. The thing you never, ever want to do is use a bank's foreign currency conversion process and transfer process because the banks rip you off like you cannot believe, which is why Wise and Revolut and some of their competitors exist. Uh, You can have accounts with them where you have the money on hand. The question then becomes, what risk is there to your money while it's sitting there if either of them went insolvent? How is your money protected or is it not? And that's where you need to concentrate your efforts. And coming up ahead, there's a plague in medicine, a curse against your wallet, that I gotta make sure you are totally on the lookout for. What a ripoff! This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, One thing that I've discovered as I get older, I visit a lot of medical offices for different things. Probably two-thirds to three-quarters of the medical facilities or offices I go to are all pushing instant credit plans at those offices, and this is a hot, hot thing you've got to be aware of because it is an incredibly awful thing. It's like taking out store credit at a store. You know how I say never when they say at the register, would you like to save 10% on your purchase today by getting a blah, blah, blah card? Uh Uh-uh. The answer is no when you're offered that at the retailer because that's junk credit and will carry interest rates up to 36%. Well, now that has infested Infected, the medical industry, they're all pushing you at dental offices, cosmetic dentistry or optional medical, what do you call those, elective medical places, regular medical places, regular dental practices. They're all pushing the instant credit plans and they'll have big things there right in the office, signage or tabletop things all pushing the credit plans that they offer, their instant approval kind of plans. Instantly committing yourself to being in debt, typically 24 to 36% interest. Now, I don't know who, when you got up in the morning, thought it would be a good idea to take out a 36% loan. No, you didn't, did you? And nothing's there telling you, hey, We're going to rip you off at this doctor's office. We're going to rip you off at this dentist's office with a 36% interest plan. They want you to do it. You know why all the doctors and dentists want you to do it? Because they get their money right then. So these companies that offer these instant credit plans, they're making money both sides of the transaction. They rip off the dentist or the doctor with what are known as discount points where they're not getting dollar for dollar that they send you credit. They're taking a cut on what their services charge just so they know they have the money. That's why they do it. So they don't have to worry about coming after you for money. They get it right then at the discount from whoever these, they're known as white label providers, offer the credit. They take a hit and then you get eviscerated I mean, just eaten alive with massive interest. I mean, even if you have to pull a credit card out of your wallet and pay your co-payer, your deductible, or whatever it is, do that. Do not fall for this ripoff of the in-office instant credit. And yes, many of them will say, oh, 90 days interest-free, six months interest-free, What are they not saying? Well, first of all, you need a magnifying glass to read the mice type and see the outrageous rate of interest you're paying taking that credit out, because most people who take that credit out aren't going to be able to get it paid off in that 90 days same as cash or six months same as cash. Avoid like you'd avoid the bubonic plague. How do you avoid the bubonic plague?
2: Well, hopefully we don't have to worry about that these days. Um, Robert in Michigan says, Clark, I received a letter from my medical provider that one of their vendors had been compromised and my personal info might have been leaked. My credit is frozen, so I'm not worried. However, they're offering two years of free credit monitoring, etc., through Experian. Should I sign up for this service or put their letter through the shredder?
1: Good rhyming. Okay, so the free monitoring that they're offering you from Experian. It's okay for you to take it as long as after the 24 months, it does not auto renew at a huge fee coming out of your wallet. As long as it would just discontinue after the two years, no harm, no foul, I think it would be worth doing just because it's another set of eyes on your credit. Paying for credit monitoring, it's not worth it. Never do it, particularly since free credit monitoring is something that's a thing now in the marketplace.
2: Raul in California says, I'm a big fan. I listen to you at the gym daily, and you help me get through my time on the treadmill. Recently, I received a letter from a local cemetery advertising to my still very young daughter. She's seven years old.
1: Say what now?
2: Yeah. This raised. Okay,
1: there, there's a cruelty in that, isn't there?
2: Yeah. This raised a red flag for me. For one, I'm happy to report she's alive and well. I contacted the credit reporting agencies to request a copy for credit report but have yet to hear back. This was a month ago. Do you have any advice on next steps and should I be worried?
1: So you've done everything right and it does seem like there may be a compromise of your daughter's identity. So even if the credit bureaus don't get back with you, what I would do for your 7-year-old daughter is I would implement a credit freeze. Minor credit freeze is much more complicated than it is for adults you're going to have to send in documentation to each credit bureau they require that you who you are that you provide proof that you are the uh, legal guardian or parent of this child and that you want to establish this credit freeze and they will do so and it protects your child against uh, child identity theft which is very very common by people who are trying to assume another identity for any of a number of reasons. They could have a criminal record they're trying to hide from from potential employers, could be illegally in the United States, and they need a social to be able to apply for work, all these kind of reasons, among others. And so setting up, because of getting this thing from the cemetery, I think it's worth it for you to go through the extra hassles and the paperwork of establishing child identity theft. And as you see, the credit bureaus are so customer-oriented that you're a month in waiting. Obviously, they don't care about us at all. You have to make them care, and this is how you do it by setting up the child credit freeze.
2: Ian in Rhode Island says, Hi, Clark. I'm 19. My mom started me listening to you, and I have a question on cars. I know that cars are one of the ways young people get into financial trouble. Can you give a car 101 talk that I can refer my friends to? People really believe that it's smarter to buy new than to repair their old car. How can I walk them through the math on this issue? And how do you know if it's worth it to repair? And of course, they should be buying used, in my opinion. Sometimes I don't think they know the difference between a want and a need. I think they don't take the time to think through what it means long term. I drive a 2009 Honda CRV with 330,000 miles on it that I paid cash for. My parents sold it to me for half the Blue Book price. It's not pretty, but it works just fine. When people ask me what kind of car I drive, I tell them a free car. I love your show, and it's hopefully making me smarter.
1: So, Ian, you're 19, you've got the drill already. I was talking to a 26-year-old just yesterday who got just got a car. It's an old Hyundai. I think he said 2006, has just under 200,000 miles on it and cost him a couple of thousand dollars. And so he has transportation. He would not want to have that monthly payment. By the way, Ian, your friends who are all into the idea of getting some kind of New car, they're facing a typical monthly payment of nearly $800 a month on a long term loan. Plus, with a new vehicle, they've got enormous insurance costs. Your instincts with your 2009 Honda, you're right on the money. 330,000 miles on it. And, you know, for a Honda, that's just barely getting started. The only thing you got to watch with a Honda is their engines historically have a problem with the uh, timing chain. And you have to change that every 100,000 miles. And that's a preventative maintenance thing worth doing. And I don't know why Honda's never fixed that problem with that chain. But anyway, the engines are so reliable that Honda has lots of life potentially in front of it. And now here you are, with a vehicle that's costing you nearly nothing. So to your question, when do you dump a car? Consumer Report says you dump a car when the cost of a repair exceeds the remaining value of the vehicle, period. And my answer always was when the cost of a repair is 50% or more of the remaining value. Consumer report says I'm wrong that it's when the cost of repair exceeds the value of the vehicle. And so I defer to them and their 90 years of wisdom in this area. So uh, you keep that car. You are driving basically for free. You don't have a monthly payment. You have cheaper insurance. And with a 2009, all you should have is liability coverage on it anyway. And good job for you. What's the 101? The 101 is actually 700 when somebody has to think about having to make that $700 a month payment every month, plus having really high auto insurance, that is all you need to know about why driving an older vehicle that you can own payment free is the smart way to build wealth. And that concludes today's episode of our podcast I want to thank you so much for joining us I want to tell you if there's something you've heard me say today or any day that doesn't ring true or right with you you feel like I'm just plain dumb I'm wrong whatever please take a moment and go to clark.com slash Stinks and post away
2: have a great one